Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. And he has a plan for you. The Bible says that before the world was created, before anything was made, he knew you. Omniscient means he knows everything. He knows what you're thinking before you ever say it out of your mouth. You can't fool him. You can't hide from him. And if you feel like he's chasing you, it's time for you to stop and let him catch you. Right? Genesis 3, verse 7. Adam and Eve, the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. This is after being instructed by God. Here is a garden filled with lush and lavish beauty, animals, fruit, trees. He said, you can partake of anything in this garden that you want with the exception of that one tree. And he didn't tell them why. He doesn't have to tell you why. I mean, if you've been something with your kids and you tell them to do something and they're at favorite word, why, why? And so you got tired of explaining and so you came up with your same answer. What? Because I said so. And you know what? I think that is a legitimate answer. Your kids don't like it, but it doesn't really make any difference. The sooner you teach your children that there are powers in the world and they need to yield to those powers, whether they understand it or not, or whether they like it or not, the better off they will be. Obedience better than sacrifice. Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. Don't go around, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. Oh God, everybody knows I love Jesus, but you don't obey him. That's being what we call a hypocrite. And so they, as humans are, when they're told they can't do something, what's the first thing they want to do? They want to do it. They, they get curious. I, I think a better word is they get stupid. But Eve, and I'm not blaming her because the truth is the husband was a covering for his wife. He was supposed to be covering her and protecting her, leading her, teaching her. But that's not what he did. He followed her. She went to the tree. She had a discussion with a snaky snake. Right? I learned that word from Scott. Snaky snake which we know was the devil, right? Did, and you know what he said? He had the gall to say, did God really say that? 
Look at me. Yes, he did. But she ate from the tree and she offered it to her husband. He should have slapped it out of her hand, gently, and called God for help, but he didn't. He ate from it also. And something supernatural happened. Their eyes opened. Now, he's not talking about their physical eyes. He's talking about their spiritual eyes. Most of you know that God came every day to the garden. And he walked with Adam and Eve. They were his children. And they were naked. Totally naked. Nobody cared. Nobody even knew that it was wrong to be naked. But they knew it was wrong after they ate from that tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They didn't even know what evil was. But look what they did. Their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons to cover their private parts. Right? And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Even... Listen to me, you may think that because God's up in heaven, he's not down here with you. That's wrong. How many of you in here are Christians? I got news for you. You are his house. He lives inside you. You can't get any closer than that. That means you can't hide from him. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? And he wasn't just talking about where are you physically. He was saying, Where are you spiritually? What's happened to you? What did you do? Of all the days that I've come down here and walked with you, this is the first time you've hidden yourself from me. What happened? I just wonder... How many of you have ever run into the bushes to hide from God? Anybody? I have. I'm the only one? Well, Leslie. Yeah, we knew Leslie. Come on, let's be honest here this morning. Adam and Eve didn't understand God's wisdom. And we go back to what we started with. Why did God tell them to stay away from that tree? Because I said so. Sometimes you as a parent, you don't have time to sit down with your kids and explain all the reasons why you told them to do something. They insist. Sometimes they get indignant about it. You've got to teach your children. Let me put it a different way. Look at me. Something in your children has to break. Don't ever break their spirit but you're going to have to break their will. Don't ever slap one of your children in the face. I know some of you in here have done that. Don't ever do that. That's demeaning, and it's demeaning even to a child. And it creates a memory that some children never recover from. If you need to discipline them, that's what this is for. Right? 
We're afraid to even do that. Afraid to, in today's world, we get, we're going to get arrested. But here they are. They're in the garden. And they're naked. And God is looking for them. You know what? If God had a problem with nudity, listen to this. If God had a problem with nudity, we would all be born with clothes on. We're the ones that have a problem with nudity. Why can't we eat from that tree? You see, God loved them very much. He did not want them to know about evil. He did not want evil to enter into what he had created. Somebody asked me once, when it happened, why didn't God just erase it? Kill them? Erase the garden? Destroy the universe and start over? You know why? Because he loved you. Look at me. When, when he saw Adam and Eve, he saw that baby right there. When he saw Adam and Eve, he saw you, Scott. He saw you were coming, Sandy. And he loved you. No. He doesn't want to destroy what he made because he loves you. So there had to be some different way. You may not realize this, but God, even at that time, knew what it was going to cost him to save you. He knew. You think he wept? The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Walking up a hill, came up to the top, and he looked down at Jerusalem, the city who had scorned him and rejected him, and he wept. God, I think, cries over you every day, and you just don't realize it. He didn't want to tell them about the tree. If he did, they would become curious about evil. What is evil? Uh, can I taste it? I, I don't want to stay in evil. I just want to try it just a little bit. You can't start with evil and taste it just a little bit and expect to be able to leave it behind because some parts of evil are fun and some parts of evil feel mighty good. Why do you think people take drugs? Coming from one, I used to not only take them, I sold them. Because they feel good. Why do people drink in excess? Because of that buzz. Feels good. Unfortunately, there's a price to pay. You get in your car, you get in a wreck, or you get pulled over, you're going to pay a price. And listen to me, it's not worth, it's not worth the price. Let me ask you all a question. Did God ever tell any of you in here to do something, but he didn't bother to tell you why? Anybody in here ever been mad at God? <laughs> I have. And no matter what you think, God's got a plan for you, and his plan's better than yours. Now, I want you to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. How be it, the verse 6, 
We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's why I know Satan has no wisdom. How many of you know there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom? You can be the smartest man in the universe. But if you don't know how to use knowledge correctly, you have no wisdom. That's the definition of wisdom, knowing how to use knowledge correctly. The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon. King Solomon, two women brought before him, prostitutes. Both of them had babies. They slept on the floor at night. One of them accidentally rolled over on her child and smothered it to death. And they were just going nuts. There's only one baby and they're fighting over whose it is. Now, the woman who rolled over the baby, she knew. But they're finally brought to the king to let him decide. Wisdom. We need wisdom. So the women are brought before him. And he says, guard, bring your sword. I want you to cut the baby in half. Give half to that mother and half to that mother. Now, one of them said, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. The other one fell on the baby and said, no, no, please give the baby to her. And he had his mother right there, didn't he? Didn't he? Wisdom. Where can we find it? Verse 9, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them who love him. You and I are not creators, we're users. We rarely do things the way God does, and that's because we are users. The creative concepts of God come out of his wisdom. Before there was a, a, a world or a where or a when or a, a this or a that, the wisdom of God stood unchallenged and undaunted. Before there was a man to hear it, the wisdom of God stood on its own authority. God has always been wise but I got to tell you there's a little bit of a check here you can't listen to me you cannot receive the wisdom of God unless it is revealed to you and you will not ever have it revealed to you if you don't search for it in Proverbs chapter 2 verse 1 through 10 it tells you how to find God. You might want to write that down and read it when you get home. If you want to find God, read Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 10. Part of it says, if you will search for God and his wisdom as you would search for hidden treasure, then you will find the knowledge of God. But some of us are not even reading our Bible. Some of us are not bothering to pray. We pray when we get in trouble. We pray when we need something. But how many of you just pray because you love him 
and, and you want to spend a few moments with him and, and just tell him how wonderful he is, I got news for you. He loves that. He really likes that. And when you, listen to me, when you do that, you've got his attention. Immediately. Immediately. God knows what he's doing with your life, believe me. Sometimes when I begin to get a revelation of what God did to save me, first of all, I got ashamed. I was ashamed. But I, I also got thankful. John 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. He's talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, you're looking for a revelation. Here's the beginning of one. Who is the Word here? It's got a capital W. Notice up there on the board. The Word, the word word is capitalized. That means it's a personal pronoun. It means it's talking not about your Bible. It's talking about a person. In the beginning was the Word, a person. And this person was with God and this person was God. Now, how could somebody be with God and be God at the same time? Verse 2, the same, the word, was in the beginning with God, whoever it was. Whoever it was was in the beginning. Whoever it was was there standing on the edge of nothing, speaking the creation into life. Every time God created a galaxy, he spoke it. And it appeared. He spoke it and a planet appeared. He spoke it and there was oxygen to breathe. He spoke it and there were animals and fish. He spoke it. And verse 3, all things were made by him, the word, and without him was not anything made that was made. The Bible says our father is a spirit. But he wanted to create a physical universe. But fear not. Because the second part of the Trinity, which we're trying to get a revelation of, one God, three persons. We don't serve three gods. We serve one God. And by the way, that's why Jews don't like you, and that's why Muslims hate you, because they think that you serve three gods. We don't. When God physically, listen to me, stepped out on the edge of nothing and, be able, and, and began to create everything. He had to speak it, and in order to speak it, he had to have a mouth. Your Savior, who was born of the Virgin Mary, thousands of years later, already existed. He was this, listen to me, he was the same age as his father and older than his mother. Stepped out on the edge of nothing and spoke. It was Jesus. You know, if you really believe that, I don't care who you are, Muslim, Buddha, I don't care who you are. If you, when you get a revelation of that and you begin to believe it, you'll fall on your face before him. And furthermore, when you find out and begin to realize and get a revelation that that same creator later on died for you. They, he allowed them to, to beat him. How many of you have seen the movie, uh, the, uh, thank you, Passion of the Christ? How many of you have seen that? It's a real 
It's, it's real. It's just it pretty much exactly what they did to him. And they beat him, and they beat him, and they beat him. That was your whipping. They drove nails through his hands. That was, those were your nails. They took a crown of thorns off a rose bush or something and jammed it on his head. He, he was bleeding from seven different wounds on his body. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And it couldn't be just any blood. Your mother, she died for you, but she can't because she's a sinner too. Whoever dies for you has to be perfect, who has never sinned. And the only one that qualified was God himself. And so God arranged to have his own seed. Now listen to me, not sex. His own seed was implanted in a woman, the, the Virgin Mary. They didn't have sex. The Bible says the Holy Spirit overcame her and she conceived. Wow. Wow. When that baby was conceived, he was fully God and fully man. Why? His father was God. His mother was a human. Whoever died for you had to be a human, had to be a perfect human. There you got it. You get it? How many of you guys have sons? And how many of you would give your son to die for somebody else? How many would you give your son to die for a, for a dirt bag? That's the worst word I can think of. A thief, a, a murderer, a killer. I wouldn't. But God did. Jesus put his wisdom into his creation. And then he decided to share it with you. Look at James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally. That means a whole bunch. And upbraideth not. That means he doesn't hold back. And it shall be given to him. If you lack wisdom, all you got to do is ask God. God's interested in your life. God dwells in you through the Holy Spirit. He will, if you listen, direct you in every issue of your life. Wisdom for raising your children. Wisdom for the ministry. Listen to this one. Wisdom for getting out of debt. Wow. God's wisdom inside of you has nothing to do with your intelligence level. It's all about your spiritual perception let me just shock you a little bit a bit most of you do too much praying and not enough listening i don't care when you pray make a habit out of it but every time you pray make part of it silence listen he will speak to you he's never spoken to me audibly but he's spoken to me might as well have been audibly He will. Spiritual perception. God's wisdom comes from spirit to spirit, from, from divine to divine. That's how God communicates with your spirit. That's why he put his Holy Spirit inside of you. There's a direct connection. And people who don't understand speaking in tongues, here it is. It's God in here using your mouth praying to God. You see that connection? 
God praying to God. And when you pray to God like that, is it the right prayer? Every time. Every time. Why does God do that? Because there are times you don't know how to pray. Now, nowhere does the Bible say you only pray in tongues. No, Paul said there are times I pray in tongues and there are times that I pray in the understanding. There are times I sing in the spirit and times that I sing in the understanding. Listen to me. It, it, it takes a revelation. And you know what? If you know people that make fun of speaking in tongues, you need to pray for them because they're, there is one unforgivable sin. Did you know that? Blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. You got to be so careful. Philippians chapter 2. You don't need to, I'll just read it for you. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know what? We've got to ha have his mind, and we need to learn how to think how God thinks. When his mind gets inside of you, you will never have to struggle to know. You'll just know. That's how I hear from God. It took me years to figure that out. I kept wanting this audible voice and God said, if you love me, if you're close to me, if you pray to me, if, you, if I'm in your heart, you'll know. You'll know that you know that you know. And it's true. See, Satan, Satan has all kinds of knowledge, but he's got no wisdom. If he had wisdom, now listen to this, I know you'll agree. If Satan had wisdom, he would stop persecuting you because he would understand God's principle. The more he afflicts you, the more you grow and the stronger you get. If Satan had wisdom, he would have never crucified Jesus on the cross. How stupid can you get? Trying, he was trying to get every human that God created to fall and die with him. He knows where he's going. He's going to the lake of fire. Call it hell if you want. He's going there for all eternity. And he knows there's nothing he can do to stop it. But he wants you to go with him. Why? Because you feel more comfortable when you got company in evil. I, I told you once over at Alta Vista, they still paddle. And, and Alta Vista was like a big cave. How many of you went to Alta Vista? And um, they paddle you outside the door in the hallway, and they did it on purpose. And when they hit your butt talks, it'd go, boom! And then once in a while you'd hear a, ah! One time in my seventh grade English teacher caught me doing something, I don't even know what it was, <laughs> but thank God he caught my buddy next to me too. Because when we, we went out in the hall together, he said, grab your ankles. Boom! Hit me three times. Boom! And you could hear it echoing back and forth, back and forth. They did it that way because the students on all three floors, two floors, whatever, three floors, they could hear it and they knew the teachers meant what they said. Why was I happy? 
There's nothing happy about getting swatted three times, but my buddy was out there with me, so I didn't feel quite so bad. And that's the way the devil is. He knows where he's going. He wants you to go with him. Oh, how dumb he is. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let me shock you a little bit. The reason some of you are not having your prayers answered is because you don't expect. Remember at the beginning of the service? I said expect. You don't expect it to happen for you because somebody who didn't know any better, tried to convince you that you're a special case. And while everybody may be bad, you're real bad. You're real evil. Why? You've done a sin that nobody else has done. And because you're so bad and so evil, God doesn't want to do anything for you. You know what happens when you give your heart to Jesus? He takes a giant spiritual eraser. Watch this. And he erases everything that's evil and bad, everything that's a sin, he erases it in your life. And the Bible says he removes it as far as the east is from the west. And on that day, I don't believe Christians are going through the great white throne judgment, but if you did, I could just see some of you. You stand in this long line, there he is up on this big white throne, and you you're a Christian, but you get up there, you're like an old whip dog. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I know you, you couldn't forgive me for that thing I did back in 1978. <laughs> and God says, what are you talking about? Well, I had an abortion. I've got your baby with me right here. I'll be introducing you a little later. That's your God. You see, your God is a God of forgiveness, mercy, grace, love, reunification, restoration. Now, it doesn't matter if you can receive it or not. That's just the way it is. But how, how could God love me like that? Because he wants to. You'll have to talk it over with him. God, we love you so much. You know, Job, I'm not going to read this, but, but, but Job questioned God. And God got a little angry. He said, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I commanded the morning to appear and, and I caused the day spring to know his place? Where were you? Have, you? have you been to the gates of death? Have you seen them open before you? Have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Where were you? Who are you? I learned something early about God. He doesn't have to explain himself to me or you. But sometimes he does because he knows you're hungry. You see, if God finds somebody hungry and thirsty, he'll give you some deep stuff. Somebody once described Tuesday nights. Maybe you don't think so, but there's some deep stuff that comes out on Tuesday night. Don't come from me. It comes from you. 
That's why it's a Bible study. That's why we encourage people who come to make comments. I've heard some tremendous wisdom coming out of you. Have you ever noticed that God never attempts to explain himself? He never tells us who mothered him and who fathered him. Does he owe an explanation to you? See, our problem is we don't really fear God. We really don't. Where did God come from? He didn't come from anywhere. That's where our minds break down. He is the, in, you're going to you're gonna have to get up on your seat and get ready. He is the inventor of time. He is the ancient of days. He is the father of the universe. He is the creator. He is a root springing up out of dry ground. He is a rock cut out of a mountain. He is a consuming fire. He is water coming forth out of a rock. God told Moses to tell Pharaoh and the people that he was, I am. God can be anything, a pillar of fire, a snake swallowing other snakes, or he can be your healer or deliverer. He is God Almighty. He is sovereign. That means he's the boss. He's omnipresent, being everywhere at the same time and in all times. This is why he can heal you of something that happened 20 years ago. Time has no hold on God, and death cannot touch God. He is omniscient. That means he knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. He already knows the answer. We don't even know the question. In John chapter 1, verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Have you noticed something about darkness? It exists. Listen to me. It's a revelation. Darkness exists, no doubt. But it cannot exist if you turn on the light. See, your sin is a form of darkness. You're, that bad thing that's happening in your health, in your body, that's a form of darkness. Your financial troubles, that's a form of dark, darkness. But when you apply the word to those things, the light switch comes on. The light comes on and the darkness appears. I have been in a place... And so have many of you where you were closer to absolute blindness than you could ever be. Carlsbad Caverns. We got down to the old big rock. Made us sit down and they turned out the lights. Some idiot in the back went <laughs> like he was kissing his wife. Kind of ruined it for me. But the guide said, take your finger and put it right up on your eyeball. Do you see it? No, I can't, I can't see. I can't say I do. I, I can't see anything. But when he gave the word, when the word was given, 
the light came on and the darkness had to flee. His word is a light. God apprehended the darkness. God seized the darkness. And darkness can never again apprehend the light. Did you know that when you get to heaven, there will never again be another night? You won't have to have light switches, light bulbs. The Bible says he is the light of the city. The lights will never go out. There is no time. You're not going to say, hey, can you meet me at 8 o'clock just after the sun goes down and we'll walk down the river of life and we'll, we'll pluck a few fruits off the trees of life. You can do that any time you want because... I, I can't even say the word time. There is none. There is no time. I remember a little boy going to an Elks Club party down at Black River, and I cried because when it was over, we all had to get our stuff and get in the car and go back to Carlsbad, and I was just starting to catch fish. I was five years old. My dad said, get in the car. <laughs> you little fish. Well, you can go to heaven, and you can have a 20,000-year party if you want to, Jim. In fact, during the tribulation period, and if you don't believe in pre-trib rapture, it's okay, I love you. While the earth is going through seven years of hell, we will be at a special party called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. It's actually a rewards banquet. And when you get there, Jesus will be in charge and he'll, you'll hear him call out names. Is there a Billy, a Billy Graham? Is he here? Come up here, Mr. Graham. I want to put a crown on your head. You you saved millions, you got, you didn't, but you caused millions of people to be saved. One night in South Korea, Billy Graham was speaking to an audience. There were two million people out in this great big field. Two million. He gave an altar call. One altar call. 60,000 people ran as fast as they could to the front and got saved. Out of that, a man by the name of Young Yogi Cho formed what would become the largest church that the world has ever seen. My God. If God were dead right now, you'd, you'd fall out of your chair. Your eyeballs would fall out of your head. Who do you think's holding you together? God created man to be a mirror of himself so that he could look over the balcony of heaven and see himself on the earth. That's why God made you. He made you in his image so that every time he went to the balcony of heaven and he looked down and he saw you, he saw himself. And every time he saw you praying, every time he saw you reading the word, every time he saw you crying out, every time he saw you witnessing to somebody, he smiled. Look at my boy. 
Look at my girl. They're growing up. Same way you smiled when you raised your kids. Your son was on the basketball team. The score was tied. The game's almost over. Somebody throws your son the ball. There's one second left. Everybody's, shoot, shoot. And your son throws the ball in the air. Nothing but net. Remember that? Or something like that? God's proud of you. Ladies, he's proud of you too. Now, I'm going to close. There's a question. Where does our great God go when he has a question? Adam couldn't even answer the question about what happened to him. There's a question. And here's the question that God has. What happened to man? Now, Now, listen to me. God cannot know what happened to man unless he were to become a man and experience that for himself. Then he could understand man. Are you getting this? God in the form, the person of Jesus, walking down the street in Jerusalem with his disciples. Suddenly, a prostitute comes out and It's not in the Bible. I'm making this up. A prostitute comes out of an alley and steps right in front of him and says, for a price. That's called temptation. Now, temptation's not a sin. It's what you do with temptation. But here's what I'm saying to you that's so important. He could not know what happened to his creation until he experienced temptation then he began to understand the struggle that you and I have God didn't hate you but he couldn't begin to hate you either because he understood who you were he began to understand who Satan is he he probably when Satan fell he, he I don't know what he did but, I mean stop and think about it Satan was created And he had it made. He was the second in command. He was the most beautiful thing that God ever created. He was in charge of all the praise and the worship in heaven. And a lot of scholars believe that parts of his body were made to look like musical instruments. He was a worship leader. He was an angel, powerful archangel. There were only three that we know of. Oh, my God. And he gave all that up. Why? Isaiah, the famous five I wills. He said, I will be like the most high God. I will sit on the sides of the north. Everybody look at me. God gave every one of you a free will. You know why he did that? So that he knew that every time you would say to him, I love you, that you had the choice to say, I don't love you. And you chose the first one. Then he knows it's real love. He could have made you like a robot. I love him. I love you. That's not what God wants. How many of you want that? And you ladies know what I'm talking about. When your husband, in one of his rare, rare romantic moments, right here, (laughs) 
leans over and says, Honey, you turned my crank. You, I love you. Real romantic, isn't it? You turned my crank. You turned my crank, honey. <laughs> some of you are poets and some of you aren't. A lot of you men are terrified of intimacy. You can't even look at your own. You can have physical contact, but you, you can't even tell your wife, I love you. Why, 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 why? What's going on? Ask God. He'll heal you. He's still working on me. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. The Bible says, what did you say? Did you say something? The Bible says, confess your faults unto men, and then God will shut your wife up. No, no, I, I didn't. He didn't say that. I didn't. I, what, what am I saying? Thank God. My wife has had to live with. But, second closing. When God became a man and we beheld his glory. That's John chapter 1 verse 14. Listen to me. He stepped up to fulfill what the Bible calls the, the kinsman redeemer. When, for example, if a woman was married to a man and he died, it was up to one of his brothers or somebody in the family to marry her. After all, who was going to take care of her and his children? You get it? Who's going to take care of you? Your, your relative, Jesus, died. Who's going to take care of you? You see, you're part of the family. Romans 8 says you are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus. That means if, if God were to die, you get half. Kinsman Redeemer. He fulfilled it. Right now as we speak, they are building a city in the heavenlies. It's huge. It's 1,500 miles high, wide, and deep. The new Jerusalem. He's going to destroy this planet with fire. And he's going to put that city right on top of it. The new, the new earth. And we're going to live together. I don't know how many is going to be there. But it's going to be a bunch. I don't know all the ins and outs of it, and I'm third closing. I'm gonna let you out. I'm gonna let you out early. I don't know exactly how it's all gonna work, but I know how great our God is. Can you imagine our God had the ability to create breast milk for a woman, and he also had the ability to drink that same milk as her baby? Can you get a hold of any of this revelation? He was a king of kings, yet he did not demand a throne. His throne was a manger. That's a feeding trough where they, they threw a couple of handfuls of oats in there for the cows. That was his first bed. 
And then you want to know why I love him so much. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, he is despised and rejected of men. He's a man of sorrows and he's acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are, past tense, we are healed, Don Hartsock. So why did he come? He came to experience temptation. He came to be beaten. He came to be spit on. He came to have his beard pulled out by the roots. He came to have a crown of thorns jammed on his head. As he hung on the cross, seven wounds bleeding profusely, blood falling. Now I'll tell you this last thing, you may not be aware of this. I'm not saying it is or is not true. Many people believe that just on the outside of the old city wall, on the north end, there's an Arab bus station. Behind that bus station is a mountain, a little hill, really, but it has the face of a skull. It's there to this day. The Bible calls that Golgotha, the place of the skull. Just around the end of it is the garden tomb. Was was buried until about 1914 when a British army officer who was really interested in archaeology uncovered it. He found a tomb in the middle of a garden with cisterns. That's a place you collect rainwater. They were all over the place. It was obviously uh, the the grave of somebody very important. The tomb, and then immediately it goes up a hill, and. Now, today, uh, the Arabs own this, by the way, and they put, another, uh, they put another cemetery up there. Why? To keep Jesus out. Because, you see, Jewish priests can't go into a cemetery. They become unclean. That's why they planted a cemetery right in front of the eastern gate where Jesus is going to return. But now here's what I said that to say this. A guy named... Ron Wyatt, he's dead now, but he was an archaeologist. A little bit strange. A little bit strange. But he was looking for the Ark of the Covenant. And under, right behind that, that skull, there are tunnels that go back under that hill. He, he was digging in there, and he claimed that he saw the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, the Arabs came and chased him out. He, he couldn't get it. But now here's what he says. I'm not saying it's true. It's just something interesting. He claims right above that cave where the Ark of the Covenant was, was where they planted the cross in the ground. And as it was limestone, limestone's filled with cracks and crevices. He claims that as Jesus bled from seven wounds in his body, it dripped down the cross right off the end of his toe and it hit a crevice down at the bottom of the cross and it began to seep down through those cracks and crevices 
until it got to the cave, and then the blood would begin to drip off the ceiling of the cave, and guess what was down there? The mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant, the very place where the high priest, when that was placed in the temple, he would go once a year on the great day of atonement, Yom Kippur, and they would pull uh, the, uh, the veil back, and he would go in there with a bowl filled with lamb's blood, and he would have a weed in his hand called hyssop and he's stirring that blood so it doesn't clot and he's walking around that covenant, that box, the Ark of the Covenant seven times and he's throwing blood everywhere. He's throwing blood on top of it, at the foot of it. He's slinging blood everywhere for the sins of the people. And Ron said, I believe that that blood dripping off a cave ceiling right on the top of that. You see the top of the Ark of the Covenant is called the mercy seat. It was the lid made out of solid gold. And on top of it were two angels called cherubim with wings. And they outstretched their arms towards one another, not quite touching. And right in that space where they didn't quite touch was the throne of the living God. Blood dripping on top of that. Not for the sins of last year, but for the sins of all people for all time, for all eternity. God said, we need a better deal. Animals don't quite get it. They were killing pigeons. Hey, if they could have found a monkey, they'd have killed that. But Jesus died. Aren't you glad that the last thing he said on the cross... It is finished. Bow your heads. Now be very still, please. John, turn out the lights. I lied to you. I said I was going to get you out on time. You're going to be a couple of minutes late. Please forgive me. This is very important right now, what I'm about to do. If you're here this morning and you're saved, thank God for that. But there may be some here this morning that are not, that you've not ever asked Jesus to forgive you and come into your heart. See, that's what you've got to do if you want to get in heaven. It's not because you came to church today or you gave money in the offering. You've got to ask Jesus to forgive you and you've got to ask him to come into your heart and be your savior. Now, every eye's closed, nobody looking. If you're here and you'd like to receive Jesus because you're not sure you have, I want you to slip your hand up. Let's be honest. Is there anybody? I'll wait for you. Yeah, you can think about it. But I'll tell you this. If you leave here today and you get in a car wreck, you die, and you haven't done this, you're not going to heaven. This may be your chance. may be your only chance. Is there anybody? Last call. Okay. I'm going to assume you're all saved. Turn the lights back on. Now, as you go, I want you to love on somebody. Not, not just your wife or husband. Go find somebody different. <laughs> and just grab them and say, you know, I love you. I'm glad you're in our church, and, and I'm going to be praying for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we go today, may we feel your presence the rest of the day. Father, we love you. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For what you did for me. Thank you Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.
This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.